More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Thanks for joining me today on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, and my goodness, it has been a crazy couple of weeks here for me. And some of it relates to the podcast, so I kind of want to fill you in on it. Um, One thing that happened was last week, my dog decided that he was going to leap over top of me as I was sitting on the couch and I had my laptop on the arm of the couch and I was just working there and he jumped over it and ended up kicking it with one of his feet, knocking it to the ground, shattering the screen. So I've already actually fixed the screen on my laptop once from dropping it, not my dog's fault the first time but it was definitely his fault this time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to pay another. By that time, I would have spent the same amount that the laptop costs just to keep replacing the screen. So I just made the executive decision that I was just going to go ahead, suck it up and get a new laptop. And so I had to do that last week, kind of in a rush. And then a couple of days later, totally came down with COVID. I blame the Apple store that I was in. There were so many people and I was wearing a mask, but it was just like crazy full. And that's the only place that I can think of that I really went where I might've been exposed to anything. I don't know. But the saga of the laptop not only cost me money and time, uh, but it also gave me lovely COVID, which is why we did not have an episode of the podcast last week. But I'm feeling much better as COVID goes. It was very mild. So thanking God for that. Um, Still wasn't fun. Still feeling pretty tired. But other than that, I am good to go. So just thought I would give you a little update on my life. That's how things have been going. It's been kind of crazy, kind of nuts. And it's one of those things where you don't want to say like, what else could possibly go wrong? Because you know, the second that you do say that something else terrible is going to happen. So I know there are people with bigger problems in the world, but just thought I'd share the craziness that's been happening in my life over the last eh, about a week and a half. But hey, we're good to go. Got a laptop now, got it set up finally. So here I am for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. So on the last episode of the podcast, we talked about the importance of understanding that an abuser can be anyone. Not necessarily that anyone is an abuser or that everyone is an abuser, but that you cannot walk around thinking, oh, well, that's a pastor. A person like that could never be an abuser. Oh, that's a lovely teacher. They could never be an abuser. Or, oh, this person's always been nice to me and a person who's always nice to you could never be an abuser. So that's super important. But I kind of want to piggyback on that for today's episode of the podcast because I think that there's another kind of myth floating around out there, maybe not a myth as much as it's just like a belief we hold because it's kind of a difficult conclusion to come to uh, because of of what it means for you personally. But that is the fact that abusers can be anywhere. And if you've been in the survivor community for a while, or you've been listening to this podcast or other podcasts about church sex abuse for a while, you're probably like, naturally, Kelly, I already know abusers can be anywhere. But for a lot of people, And I want to say many people in the church, although I'm going to 
give you a little caveat here because I think it's fair. Sometimes we blame the church and we act like the church is the only place that people do certain things or have like hypocrisy or anything like that. And so I want to be clear that this is not something that only happens within the church. However, there's a lot of it happening within the church, but it does happen to be fair in other places with people who don't have any faith at all, or who ha- may have a different kind of faith. It happens in politics. It happens just everywhere in life that we kind of tend to view things that we really are uncomfortable talking about with this us versus them mentality. And there's a lot of that within the church. And because this podcast confronts sexual abuse within the church, it's important for us to talk about the fact that this happens a lot in the church. But Just like several months ago, I had my cousin Joshua Yoder on the podcast to talk about when sexual abuse is treated as a partisan issue, just like it's a mistake to treat sexual abuse like a partisan issue, it's also a mistake to make it, I want to say a geographical issue, because it's kind of this mentality that sexual abuse happens over there, but it doesn't happen over here or here where I am. We don't have that problem here. And there tends to be a lot of that within churches and in a lot of places like this is a problem with others. So kind of in the same way that we make it partisan, we tend to make it like an us versus them thing. Like to use the whole partisanship issue, you'll see a lot of people post based on their political beliefs, certain news articles or things that are viral. And say a person is a Democrat and they're like dyed in the wool Democrat and they see a story about a Republican politician or a person who associates very much with like conservative politics, they'll see a story about, oh, this person has been accused of sexual abuse. And so it's very easy then to share that story because it's happening to them in their crowd, in that crowd of people that I already don't agree with and that I already don't like. And it it happens similarly Inside the church, you see it a lot when big stories of sexual abuse or or small stories too, but when stories break about sexual abuse within a a conservative community or within a certain denomination, uh, Christians seem to just have this big issue with posting anything because it's kind of that like, oh, let's not make the church look bad type of a thing. But if something happens where somebody outside of the church or somebody that they really disagree with, like in their belief system or in their politics, if it happens with them, then they have no problem posting that on, say, their Facebook page or talking about it to people. Can you believe that this non-Baptist person did this horrible thing? And that's what we've been saying for years. You can't trust these people because this is the kind of stuff that goes on. That's all kind of like a finger pointing thing that says sexual abuse is something that happens over there with that group of people, whoever that group of people may be. And again, this isn't just the church that does that. Not just Christians do it, but For the sake of this podcast, and because I see it so much in Christianity, that's what we're talking about today. Abusers can be anywhere. And one of the things that really has had me thinking about this topic over the last several weeks or months is all of the news coming out about different megachurches. And I'm thinking specifically of Hillsong because I watched the Hillsong documentary that came out on Discovery Plus. I actually like bought a subscription to Discovery Plus just so I could watch the Hillsong, a megachurch exposed documentary because I've read stories for many years and 
we know there have been issues in Hillsong for many years and it's a tough pill for some people to swallow, like people especially who just love Hillsong's music and they don't want all this negativity in the press and they don't want people thinking badly of Hillsong. Again, it's one of those things like a sort of like protecting your own type of a thing. But I noticed something with Hillsong being exposed is that a lot of people who are part of denominations and part of churches that actually have probably had just as many scandals that have just never made it to the news, they're still pointing the finger as though the problem with Hillsong is that it's a mega church. And the problem with Hillsong is Hillsong. Like it's just that they've made up their own version of Christianity and they're doing their own thing over there. And as long as we aren't Hillsong, then we're good to go. It's like that finger pointing thing. It makes you feel really good about your own position. Like, well, that doesn't happen in my church and look how terrible they are. And it kind of makes you feel better about yourself. Like, have you ever known somebody who was just in their element whenever somebody else got in trouble. And there's a person in my extended family like that. Like their favorite thing in the world is when one of their other siblings gets in trouble or does something to kind of sully the family name, because I guess it just makes them feel better when the spotlight is kind of taken off of them and the things that they have done to other people. And it's just like squarely pointed at somebody else. And I know part of this is like human nature 101. It's much easier to deal with terrible things happening in a church or a Christian organization or a denomination that we don't like or that we already see problems with than it is in our own where we want to believe everything is warm and fuzzy and perfect and wonderful. And so, you know, we don't like anybody sullying the name of the church. But if you have to sully the name of the church, then let it be a denomination like Hillsong where we can just pick them apart and say, see, they're not really spreading the real gospel anyway. We kind of make it a thing of, well, they're faulty from their foundation. And so that's why they have sin in their denomination. But because ours is perfect in our theology and everything we believe and the way that we are, there's nothing like that happening in our church. So it's like this pointing fingers. Um, You have abusers over there because there's something wrong with you, but we don't have them over here. So it's important to remember, especially if you're in a church where you think that abuse never happens, it's really important to keep in mind abusers can be anywhere. And not only can they be anywhere, but abusers are everywhere. You can have the theology that you think is, you know, directly from the hands of the Lord handed to you on tablets and like it's the perfect theology. There's nothing wrong. Your church is perfect. Everyone's wonderful. You can have this fairy tale church and this perfect theology, the most salt of the earth people ever who are super nice to everybody and everything seems great. And you can still have abusers among you. And I would say it's safe to say that you probably do have someone in your congregation who is abusive or who is a predator looking for people to prey on. It's just the reality in which we live. Abusers can be anywhere. And what may be even better to say is abusers are everywhere. And again, it's not to like scare people into thinking, oh, there's an abuser around every corner. Every person I meet, I need to be like suspect of them. This person is sus. That person is sus. Like don't trust anybody and constantly have your guard up. It's not that. It's not living in this perpetual fear. It's not suspecting that every person you've ever met is a child abuser. It's not that, but it's the understanding 
abusers can be anywhere, no matter how perfect a church seems to be, no matter how perfect you think your theology is, no matter how perfect your group of friends or your family is, abusers can be anywhere. And that is something that's important. Not to scare you, not to have you living in complete fear and unable to trust another soul. It's just that understanding that when an accusation comes forward, you're not one of those people who's like, oh, there's no way that happened because I know this person and they're so nice and like this could never happen. And then you end up disbelieving victims and not giving them a chance and just siding with abusers because you have this firmly held belief that there are certain places that abusers cannot be. And that's just not the truth. They can be just like they can be anyone, they can be anywhere. And one of the reasons I brought up Hillsong and that whole like attitude that Hillsong is an issue because they're a mega church and Hillsong is an issue because they, they do Hillsongy things that are different from what every other church does. One of the reasons that that kind of popped out to me is I don't know if you saw the statement by Tim Keller. Uh, he released like a, I guess it was a Facebook post and he talked about the problem with mega churches. And I feel like on the heels of the Hillsong fallout, a lot of what people are blaming is the fact that it's a mega church. And, and Tim Keller, you know, he said they're not good places for pastoral care. They're not good places for people to be discipled. And he wasn't talking about Hillsong specifically. He didn't come out and say Hillsong sucks. He just said that mega churches in general, because of their big, big size, are just not good places for Christians to grow and be discipled. And he actually broke up Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City and broke it up from one really big campus into three congregations. And then it went on to be separated into five different congregations around New York City. So, you know, a lot of what Tim Keller came out and said was that it was never his intention to build like one big mega church, but, you know, to have a lot of different churches and different leaders. And, and you know, he didn't totally trash mega churches. Like he did, he didn't just say that every single thing that's wrong is because of a mega church. But I feel like a lot of the issues that we're having right now in churches were blamed on the mega church. And to me, again, it goes back to that whole, this is happening over there and it's not something happening here. So as long as we can break up mega churches and make them smaller, boom, the problem disappears. And it doesn't say anything about the foundation on which these churches have been built. You know, the size of a church can be a problem, and I don't want to take away from that. When it comes to sexual abuse of children, yes, the size of a church could be a problem because there are so many people, it's hard to keep track of everybody. There may be better places to get access to kids or to hide with kids. There may be you know, more children that you can have access to. So yes, there may be like some logistical reasons that a mega church is a little bit more dangerous for children than a small church. But I don't know if I believe that 100%. I think there may be like some unique little nuances about a mega church as opposed to a small church that could make predators feel more comfortable and make it easier for them to hide or maybe it's just their preference. But I think it's a mistake to believe that some of the issues of abuse within the church, whether it's spiritual abuse or uh, mental abuse or sexual abuse, I think it's a mistake to say that it's because the, it's a mega church. And if mega churches would just go away and we just have our small churches, then everything would be fine. 
And I, I speak for myself, but also for many of the sexual abuse survivors that we have heard from here on the podcast and that we hear from in just everyday life, that that's not the case because there are so many people who have been abused within small congregations. Like the person who abused me, the church we went to together was a church of like 15, 20 people at the time, like a very, very small church. It was tight knit. Everybody knew everybody. Literally, there was no way to not know everybody because it was so small. And so it's just as easy to be abused in an environment like that as it is in a massive mega church. Now, do I think that there are issues with mega churches? Yeah, I'm totally not comfortable in mega churches. And a lot of it doesn't really have to do with things related to sexual abuse as much as it has to do with spiritual abuse. But it doesn't mean that I think, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with a mega church, you know, like we should just stop complaining about them. And Tim Keller was wrong to say that there's any issue with them. No, I don't believe that at all. I believe, yes, there are many problems associated with mega churches. Hillsong has many problems, but I just think that it's a mistake for us to do that whole us versus them and those people over there thing where we believe that, okay, Hillsong is having issues because, um, their Hillsong and they've done these Hillsongy things that nobody else is doing and that's how they got themselves into trouble. When I would venture to say that it's just as easy to make many of these mistakes that Hillsong made and abuse people in the same way that many of the staff and leaders at Hillsong did, um, it's it's just as easy to do that in a small church as it is to do it in a mega church. Now, there may not be as many people for you to push around and abuse and they may not get lost in the crowd as easily. You may not have access to as many people that you can be abusive toward. So there are some differences, but trust me, it can be done. I've mentioned, and because we've been talking quite a bit about uh, spiritual abuse over the last like three or four podcasts, I'll bring up, you know, a situation which I've brought up in the last several podcasts. And that's that I worked for a church and under a pastor who was extremely spiritually abusive. And the church that I worked in had maybe 250 to 300 people. It was not a huge church by any stretch of the imagination. And when I watched the Hillsong documentary on Megachurch Exposed, I got to tell you, there were so many similarities uh, between some of the abuses that took place in Hillsong as there were in this one campus church that later became a two campus church and then went back to being a one campus church. Just this, a lot of the same abuses and a lot of the same leadership issues. And I didn't experience sexual abuse at this church or in this congregation, but there were so many parallels when I watched this Hillsong documentary of staffers being taken advantage of, of being overworked and being underpaid, of being bullied. Um, I was just downright bullied at the church that I worked at. Um, the pastor was a bully and he would choose who he was going to bully. And they were typically people who didn't tie the whole lot or that would do tons of work for him and that he wasn't paying very well. Um, and sometimes it was little stuff like everybody in the office would have to leave the office for the day to help him do something personal, you know, on the church's dime or calling one of the worship leaders and saying, hey, I need you to drive a kayak to my house in the next county. Like, I need you to do that today. Like things that are like, that shouldn't be happening in your church, um, that you shouldn't be taking advantage of people. And I, I had a lot of those experiences at this church that I was in. And when I'm watching a lot of the people, the things that they're saying about Hillsong and the way that 
things were handled and the way that people were treated and a lot of the bullying that went on, I recognized that and I felt it so deeply because I went through it. I had the second week that I was working for a pastor, he sat the entire staff down because he was angry with one person and he was super angry and rather than like confronting them, it was like this really passive aggressive, like I'm just going to be mean to all of you type of a thing. And he went around this table of all of us and pointed in our faces basically and said, your job isn't safe and your job isn't safe and nobody's job here is safe. And it was just like this this leading by fear and leading with this coercive control that was just like, there was nothing godly about it. There was nothing Christ-like about it. It was just very stressful and demeaning all the time. And so when I say that like it was the worst experience of my entire life, I will back up those words 100% because that's how it was. Like I would rather saw my own arm off than go back and be in that same position that I was. And I think it's very interesting that when I left this church because I could not handle the spiritual and mental abuse anymore. I went to a non-Christian organization. I started working for a law firm and nobody there was like, oh yeah, I love Jesus, you know? And it was a thousand times better. The environment that I worked in, the respect that people gave you because there's an actual HR department where if you decide to be an abusive butthole, you're probably going to get in trouble. And that's not something that's available in a lot of churches. So when I hear people say that like the problem with Hillsong is mega churches and the problem in Christianity is mega churches, I want to say that is kind of a cop out um, to say that, you know, the, the issue with Hillsong is their, their mega churchness. Like, you know, if, if a church is small and they don't have any plan in place to prevent abuse, if a church is not mega and they have egotistical people who are in the pulpits and who are running the church like it's their own personal playground and their own personal piggy bank, they're going to have the same problems that Hillsong has in their mega church. And here's one of the reasons I think that it's important to bring this up. We saw when all these scandals came out in Hillsong that a lot of the churches here in the United States, especially, but in other parts of the world, immediately wanted to distance themselves from Hillsong. And I'm not saying that they didn't have really good reasons to do that, because I think that, you know, in many cases they did. However, I think that if you're blaming Hillsong and you're blaming the megachurch for abuse that's happening in your midst, then once you take the Hillsong name off, it's as though you've just got a free pass and you don't need to look inward and you don't need to look at how you're operating your own church. You can just say, oh yeah, Hillsong was terrible and that's why we broke off from them. And so now we're no longer a Hillsong church, so we no longer have to worry about abuse happening in our midst because I'm here to say... It doesn't matter if you're Hillsong or not. It doesn't matter if you're a mega church or you're a congregation of 10 people. If you're not aware that abuse happens or you're not aware of how it happens and how churches can fall prey to abusive leaders and abusive systems, if you're not aware of all that, you're not actively working to not be a church that fosters any kind of sexual, physical, or spiritual abuse, then you're going to have abuse in your congregation. And I would say that even churches that are actively trying to prevent different kinds of abuse, like even in those churches, there are going to be times when some 
somebody slips past your notice and maybe somebody will be abused. It, it can happen. And that's why I think it's important for us to keep in mind that abusers can be anywhere, even in churches where you're trying really hard, but especially in those churches where people are blaming mega churches. Oh, those people over there, that denomination over there, you know, there may be a denomination you don't particularly like, like say, I don't like charismatics or I don't like Pentecostals or I don't like, you know, this group or that group. And they, they do these things that are terrible and you find negative things about them all the time. But it's easy when you're pointing fingers at a denomination you don't like or a theology that you don't agree with um, to kind of make it like they're the bad ones. And over here, we're doing great because we have great theology. And I got to say, whatever your statement of beliefs is as a church, whatever it is that you believe about the Bible and about Jesus and the Trinity and all that, of course, it's important if you're a church. Your theology is important and what you believe is important. But I'll say that it doesn't matter in any case what, what exactly it is that you believe to a person who is just there to fit in so that they can abuse people. And that's what so many predators are doing. You know, they're not looking for a church and saying, oh, let me find a church that doesn't believe in the Trinity, or let me find a church that, you know, doesn't believe this about the Bible, or they don't subscribe to this theology or, or that theology. They're not saying like, oh, okay, I'll fit in great there. It's typically, what does this church believe? And I will become a chameleon who fits in perfectly in any environment where I feel like I can get, gain access to vulnerable people, whether they're children or vulnerable adults, uh, whatever the case may be. That's what predators do. They're not like saying, oh, this is a mega church. So obviously I fit in here because so much abuse happens in mega churches. And I would never go to a small church because there's no abuse in them. Like it's just ridiculous. And I think it's good that Tim Keller is recognizing the problems with megachurches and has decided to split up their congregations so that people can be discipled better or whatever. Like, that's not a bad thing. But you can split up megachurches all you want. You can split them all day long into what, however small a group of people that you want them to be or however many groups of people that you want. But if you don't fix what's broken, if you don't fix the underlying issue that causes abuse to be rampant in churches of any size, then you're just going to have a bunch of mini churches that are failing in the same ways that your mega church was failing. Because while mega churches are more in the news and we see them in the spotlight a lot more and it's easy to recognize the big, huge issues with them because they're just glaring in a lot of cases, like just glaring problems. So it's easy to be like, oh yeah, this church is a problem because of X, Y, Z. But that kind of makes it easier to hide the abuse within your own, like smaller or less in the spotlight church. And we kind of get this smug notion that our church is safe because XYZ or because we're not that big church down the street. And that's just, it's a dangerous attitude to have. It's a dangerous belief because it's a belief that puts children in danger of being abused. If you don't recognize that abusers can be anywhere, especially in your own church. You know, they say before you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, take out the plank in your own eye. I think that when it comes to churches, instead of spending a lot of time talking about what's wrong in everybody else's denomination or everybody else's church, it's a good idea for you to look within and say, hey, what can my church do better to make sure that we're preventing abuse? What can my church do better to make sure that we're not making this a safe place for predators? And that's not going to happen if you're constantly looking at other denominations and other people and saying, those people over there 
are fostering abuse. If you have that those people over there mentality, the children in your midst are not going to be safe because while you're worried about what's happening down the street, abusers and predators are taking advantage of that to do what they want with the children that are right in your own congregation that you blindly think are safe simply because you're not a mega church. And it's just a dangerous belief. It's a dangerous thing um, for kids and for anybody who's vulnerable to abuse. So abusers can be anywhere, just the same as abusers can be anyone. And let's not buy into that lie that as long as my church is under a certain size, or as long as we're a particular denomination, we're never going to have issues because that's just, it's not true. Abusers adapt to whatever environment they're in. So if they're in a mega church, they'll adapt there the way that they need to, to go around abusing people undetected in a mega church. Or if your church is the most convenient one, they'll find out how to blend in there and not get caught while they abuse kids in your midst. And as long as you're worried about, you know, that church down the street, you're leaving your own house very vulnerable to abuse. And it's so much more fun, right, to talk about the people we don't like or the denominations we don't like and people who believe weird things about the Bible that we don't agree with. It's so much easier to be like, oh, let's speak out about abuse in those churches. But I think it's important to look within and just make sure in our own congregations that we're not allowing people to get away with abuse because we're smugly thinking that we're better than that mega church on TV that is having all these issues right now. Because your church could be having all of the same issues, but they're just not televised because nobody cares enough to televise them. Sexual abuse is not a partisan issue, and it's also not a geographical issue. It can happen in any church, anywhere, and that's important for us to remember. I've never worked at a megachurch. I've never been a part of a megachurch, but I will say that I have dealt with narcissism in church leadership and pastors who believe that because they're the pastor that they're basically like the emperor of the church and the church belongs to them like that's another issue sometimes in a smaller church like one person will pastor for a really long time or in some cases a dad will pastor and then like their kid takes over or something and sometimes there's that mentality that like this church belongs to my family because for the last you know 30 plus years someone in my family has been pastoring and then there's a lack of accountability whether it's financial or any other kind of accountability there's just a lack of it. And so people can get away with a lot because the churches run more like their own personal business rather than a community of believers who make decisions corporately. Um, and you see a lot of that with small churches or not that whole, I'm the pastor of this church and you know, the buck stops here and I'm this and I'm that it doesn't take a mega church pastor for somebody who has a giant ego to be a complete and utter tool bag from the pulpit. It doesn't, it can happen in churches of all sizes. So 
while I think it's important to expose abuse in megachurches, of course, um, because they are affecting hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, and especially with Hillsong, people are buying into all the music, and they're just so in love with Hillsong and dressing like they see Hillsong pastors and worship leaders dressing and saying all the words that they say, and you know, kind of like becoming little copycats of Hillsong and whatever they're doing or whatever megachurch it is that they think is fantastic. Like, there's a lot of that going on in churches everywhere. You just see that they're becoming carbon copies of each other. You know, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but when I go to a church and their worship leader is like awkward and not exactly fantastic and doesn't wear the perfect skinny jeans with holes in them like a proper megachurch worship leader would, I actually immediately have more warm, fuzzy feelings about that church than if I walked in and like, you know, Bono was leading worship and everything was just perfectly produced for this wonderful, awe-inspiring experience. Like, I actually tend to feel more comfortable in a church where people aren't perfect looking when they're on the stage and they're not these fantastic, smooth talkers. Because let me tell you, some of the best smooth talkers I know and some of the best public speakers that I know have been some of the most prideful and arrogant and spiritually abusive people that I know. And that's not to say if you're a great speaker and you're really good at being a smooth talker and you're this dynamic person that people love to listen to. That's not to say that anybody who's a dynamic speaker can't be trusted. Um, But it is to say that a lot of people who are really, really good at that whole public persona can have issues with narcissism and can have issues with pride and with arrogance and with this expectation that because they're a good speaker, they are owed your undying loyalty and that you'd never dream of questioning anything that they say or do. And that's just not healthy. It's not spiritually healthy. It's not something that I think reflects the character of Christ at all. And so, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that today. Uh, Abusers can be anywhere. So let's stop acting like Hillsong is the only place where this is happening. Let's stop acting like that denomination that you don't like because, you know, they might do weird things like this is the only place that abuse is happening. It's not. It's happening everywhere. And the most important place for you to criticize and for you to really like pick apart with a fine tooth comb is your own congregation, because that is where you have influence to make changes. And that's where you have a chance to actually stop people from being predators. And I'm not saying this to say never speak out about abuse in a church that's not your own, because I say speak out all day long. Just don't speak out against others and never against something that's happening in your own backyard, because that's when it becomes a partisan issue or it becomes an us versus them issue. And what we genuinely need to be doing is making sure that the people in our own circles are safe and making sure that we're not fostering an abusive system where we are, whether it's in a church of 20 people or in a church of 2000 people. And that's what I've got for you today. Would love to hear your thoughts as well. And you can always give them on our Facebook group page. It is Survivor Sanctuary Podcast on Facebook. If you're not a part of us, uh, do a search and ask to join. I'll add you to the group and you can let us know your thoughts there. I'll catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary.
Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.